You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash filmschool. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. In the Dominican Republic, a tropical island nation, tourists flock to pristine beaches unaware that a few miles away, thousands of dispossessed Haitians are toiling under armed guard on plantations, harvesting sugarcane, much of which ends up in U.S. kitchens. They work grueling hours and frequently lack decent housing, clean water, electricity, education, or health care. In his latest documentary, The Price of Sugar, our guest today, Bill Haney, follows Father Christopher Hartley, a charismatic Spanish priest, as he organizes some of this hemisphere's poorest people to fight for their basic human rights. The Price of Sugar won the Audience Award at the South by Southwest Film Competition and was recently nominated for an NAACP Image Award. Bill Haney, welcome to Film School. Thank you so much for having me. How are you today? I'm actually wonderful. Oh, is, it, is it cold in Boston? It's cold as heck in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> We're having a Boston January day. It's going to snow a little, rain a little, oh, really? and sleet some more. Wow. How does that compare to the, uh, the weather you experience in the Dominican? Well, you know, the uh, Boston winter was my favorite time to film in yeah. the Dominican. Oh, really? Right. <laughs> yeah. You're taking a little vacation up there. The Dominican the summer is awfully hot for an Irish kid from Boston. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. How is it that you ran into the story? How did you first come in contact with the story of Father Christopher? Well, you Martin? know, it was uh, in many ways an accident. It, several years ago, a physician at Harvard Medical School and I started a charity called Infante Sano. Our goal was to support better infant maternal health care in Latin America. We designed a program with Harvard Medical School, and we began bringing equipment and medicines and physicians to Latin America to see if we could help folks. As you probably know, in much of Latin America, the alternative to the government is the Catholic Church. Hmm. And many of the clinics and hospitals we were supporting were run by Catholics, nuns, and priests, and the like. And I ran into the priest who was became the subject of our film, because he was building a hospital to um, deal with at-risk pregnancies and other needs in his community. And I ran into him on the idea we would supply equipment to him. And the idea of the film came from that. What was your first impression of, of Father uh, Hartley? Well, he's a very forceful personality, mm-hmm. um, you know, <laughs> full of... Uh, a very determined man. A very it? determined man, full mm-hmm. of energy and passion and spirit and deeply committed to the needs of his parishioners. Was there a point in time where you thought this is going to be a documentary, or was this um, something that took a while for you to get your head around? I guess in a lot of ways, he had gotten to a place in his own time there. You know, Father Christopher, is, as you know, was born as the eldest child of a British industrialist and a Spanish aristocrat. And he'd grown up in Madrid in a family of mixed religious background and lived the life of a wealthy um, well-heeled, well-schooled individual, until he had an epiphany. That got him into the, commit himself to religion, and ultimately he became an acolyte of Mother Teresa's. Yeah. Twenty-five years later, he found himself in the Dominican Republic, and he, I think, to his own shock, discovered the deplorable conditions in the villages that were his parish. By the time I met him, he had already spent seven years trying to politely advocate for change within the system, trying to you know, graciously bring attention to the problems he saw before him. 
And I think he was at a place where he had concluded that only the international attention and media, and particularly the interest um, and engagement of Americans, could make a real difference. Before we get into that, I'm I'm curious about the the interviews you had with his family because there's such a such a contrast between his family and where they are and where uh, where Father Hartley is. How was it getting those interviews? What was it like speaking with the family? Were they very open about this? His family was wonderful. They were honest and clear. You know, you may recall the interview with his mother and father saying you know, he, he was very difficult yeah. as a child. <laughs> I thought that they did a remarkable job of giving, on the one hand, you know, a loving and respectful insight into their son, and on the other hand, a pretty honest interpretation of you know, where he had been and what they had experienced. Yeah, yeah well, it, it seems to me it takes that sort of obstinance, that sort of determination to be able to tackle the kinds of things that he was up against in the Dominican Republic. I think that's right. It served that, him well. And the energy level that his sister remarks upon, mm-hmm. the sheer physicality of being subject to a, you know, a lot of psychological attack and to endure it. One person outside your country, outside your cultural traditions, I think you need it exactly right. You need that kind of affectionate support from your family. And they seem to have a, a good idea of, of the danger that uh, Father Hartley faced down there, too. There's, but, but also a, a, a wonderful attitude about it. I think his father said that he'd much rather have his son go doing what he believed in than, than live a long life doing what he didn't believe in. You know, it was interesting to me, and I don't know what the process of acceptance his parents had gone through uh-huh. to um, come to the position you're now describing so eloquently. You know, his father uh, did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, before his father did. It's true, they had come to see that their love and respect for their son obligated them to also accept that in his mind, he had to protect and defend and advocate for his parishioners at any price, including his life. Yeah, yeah it was, there was death threats and such. Yeah. We're speaking with Bill Haney, and he's the director of The Price of Sugar. We've established the character and the determination of Father uh, Christopher Hartley. Let's step back and frame this story, because it's a remarkable—it's uh, an ongoing issue and something that is in desperate need to be addressed. And, and in the situation in the Dominican Republic, who is a massive exporter of sugar to the United States, and the— use or abuse of Haitians who come to the Dominican Republic. Let's get into this, what's going on there and why Father Hartley felt so strongly about what was going on. You know, the Dominican Republic, interestingly enough, is where Christianity was introduced to this hemisphere mm-hmm. 500 years ago, and it's also where slavery was introduced to this hemisphere okay. um, shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. It was introduced in the sugarcane fields. When Father Hartley moved to the Dominican Republic to become a parish priest, he soon began to uncover and discover the long traditions that characterized the villages in which the sugarcane workers lived. He found those conditions uh, deeply troubling. My own experience was that I found those conditions deeply troubling. Mm -hmm. This would be a story of the parish priest in the Dominican Republic and his parishioners and his struggle for their rights and freedoms and the um, antagonism, the plantation owners who've had these plantations for generations, and the hostility that he met while, when he tried to defend the workers. But it, 
it went beyond that in ways we hadn't expected. And part of it's what you mentioned yourself, that you know, this turned out to be connected to a long history in the Dominican Republic on the one hand, and to the troubling circumstances of Haiti, and alternatively to this extraordinary notion that U.S. consumers, I imagine almost entirely unbeknownst to them, subsidize the sugar industry in this country and abroad to the tune of a billion dollars a year. Mm-hmm. That American consumers do not pay the world price for sugar, they pay a multiple of the world price so as to selectively enrich uh, the sugar growers. And there's a very small number of owners of this, these properties. In the film, you mentioned one family in particular, but there's a couple, there's like five, as, I'm, as I understand it, that pretty much control uh, the sugar production in the Dominican Republic. That's true. The Dominican Republic sells virtually all their sugar to the United States. Right. The United States imports sugar from no country as much as it does from the Dominican Republic. They are the largest By a lot. Um, exporter to the United States yeah. of any country. Yeah. And they get the American price. They get the same subsidy by U.S. consumers that U.S. sugar growers get. That subsidy is allocated among the five primary growers in the Dominican Republic, the second largest of which owns most of the plantations in Father Christopher's parish. Right, right. Is there a sort of geopolitical rationale for this? Is there something about the strategic importance of the Dominican Republic that would be the reason for this, or what, what is the rationale for all that? An optimist's view yeah. would be that um, this is an attempt on the behalf of American government to support a somewhat impoverished country on our border yeah. and to help the workers there. Theoretically. Theoretically. Mm-hmm. If that's true, it's hideously ineffective because... As you saw, the workers aren't receiving very much of the money. I want to just emphasize that, too. The poverty that they're in there, it's it's despicable considering what the profits being made off them are. There was a worker there that had no shoes. He's going out in sugarcane fields with no shoes. There's people with horrible diseases, bacterial infections on their hands, and there's no health care for them. There's no doctoring going on there at all. Their children uh, are starving. They're forced to eat nothing but, but sugar many times, which leads to malnutrition. These are, uh, these are deplorable conditions. Deplorable conditions. They make a something equivalent of a dollar a day, which are paid in company script. I mean, this, the list goes on of abuses. They have, um, you know, at least according to the medical professionals, they have the worst health care indices and outcomes in the hemisphere. There you go. Worse than any country. That's... They have the highest tuberculosis rate, the highest AIDS rate the highest infant mortality rate, the lowest life expectancy. They lack access to safe drinking water. They frequently are malnourished or have little access to food. There have been at least reports they are not allowed to practice religion. They don't have opportunity to free speech. They don't have freedom of movement. And in many cases, interestingly, there's systemic, multi-generational discrimination. They do not exist as citizens of any country. They have no legal standing anywhere. I want to remind our listeners, speaking with Bill Haney, the the film is a documentary called The Price of Sugar. As you've just described, this isn't something that just happened uh, recently. This is a this is centuries-old kind of traditional slavery, and, and institutionalized slavery, isn't it? The journalists in the Dominican Republic themselves call this akin to medieval slavery. Yeah. You know, you were asking me about the reasons, and I gave you the optimistic reason, is that there's good intentions in Congress to support a poor field workers. Right. A more skeptical view would say, and it's been reported 
um, by nonprofits in Washington and the New York Times, that if you looked at the political contributions by all agribusiness to federal politicians, the sugar industry's share is six times higher than its share of farm revenues. In fact, although it's only 1% of American farm receipts, it's the single largest agricultural donor to political campaigns. That's amazing. So, you know, a skeptical person would say there's a correlation between the fact that it gets these extraordinary subsidies yeah. and that it's extremely generous to American politicians. Yeah. I'm going to maybe stepping beyond my area of expertise here, but it's important to point out that the Dominican Republic shares the same landmass, the same island as Haiti. Mm-hmm. And Haiti has a long and desperately poor history and the people within the country are desperately poor. You can go back to the time when Haiti was the first slave uprising prior to our civil war. This history of impoverishment, of subjugation on the part of the United States of Haiti, and seeing that this relationship exists between Haiti where the the poor workers come there by the thousands. There's something, an estimate of how many hundreds of thousands of dispossessed Haitians are living in the Dominican Republic? It ranges from, you know, half a million to two million. There you go. The best guess we can get is about a million. So you've got a million people who, when they come across the border to work in these sugar fields, are stripped of all of their identification. Any ability to move back and forth between the country is gone. So they become essentially people without countries who are forced to work for a dollar of company script in a field where the people who run them are lining the pockets of Washington politicians. Now, I see a system here. I see some. I see a pattern here. And, um, you know, you may not be willing to go as far as I, do, I am, but this certainly is something that this film really illustrates in a very, very concrete way. First, I think that you, know, you have a pretty good understanding of the way uh, a lot of the things that are affecting these issues. And, you know, sugar is a simple product. Yeah. You know, we understand what sugar Everybody understands it, and it, it's ubiquitous, and it touches almost every American's life probably almost every day. The harvesting of sugar is simple. This is not a complicated, you know, electronic product that's produced with 16 different components from 12 countries. This is one place. It all comes to the United States. I think that for American consumers, the idea that they are subsidizing, paying a multiple of the world price to companies that are continuing the conditions that you see in our film, you know, is deeply, deeply troubling. And uh, it's a reflection of issues that are playing out in the political campaigns in the United States. And it's, you know, it pulls at some pretty important subjects for us. It it should. And uh, one other sort of outside political consideration in all this is that when Mm -hmm. John Aristide was ousted as the president of Haiti, a man who... um, Mixed reports on uh, he's not the, he's not a saint, but certainly somebody who was trying to bring some semblance of order and democracy to Haiti. When he was overthrown in a coup, the people who who were responsible for the coup came from the Dominican Republic. Arms were funneled from the Dominican Republic into Haiti. So there is not just this sort of economic relationship. There is a there is a political relationship between these two countries that is very troubling, and one cannot help but wonder about the connections there. Also, I think that, um, at least from my point of view, part of what's happening, and we see the New York Times has written about this as recently as the last ten days. Yeah. There are large scale migration problems being caused all over the world as a result of poor political management and environmental degradation. Yeah. If you fly over the demarcation line between Haiti and the Dominican Republic, 
it's immediately apparent because on the Dominican side, there's lush vegetation, and on the Haitian side, it's denuded, deforested, destroyed. Why is that? Because Haiti has been um, so uh, mismanaged politically hmm. by their, you know, by the dictators, Papa Doc and Baby Doc. Hmm. By you know, there are those who would suggest American and French foreign policy. Yes, that they've been impoverished and forced to cut down the trees to provide basic heat or cooking materials until, and the population is big enough that they've wiped out. Basically, they wiped out the forests, hmm. and then slowly they've the, the the opportunity for Haitians to actually have a sustained, you know, living for themselves and their families is so reduced that choices like working in uh, abominable conditions on a sugarcane plantation or getting in a raft and trying to paddle to Florida start to seem like reasonable options. While these causes in environmental devastation causing migration, uh, human trafficking as capitalists take advantage of um, the vulnerable, the exploitation and support by, you know, bizarrely constructed political subsidies. These issues are at play all throughout the world and, you know, in many ways in our own country. But this particular stark example with a very simple product in a country close to home, you know, where we have tourist resorts, five-star resorts are five miles from this. You know, there are Americans and Europeans pouring baby oil on themselves, a stone's throw away from these villages, practically, is a you know, is a particularly stark example, at least it, it was for me, and it offers a window into this set of geopolitical conditions that is otherwise complicated to create. I know I've got some sugar at home, and I'm mm-hmm. sure most of our listeners are, are in some way supporting the system over there. Uh, what is it that we can do? I mean, we're, we're, I doubt if we're, a boycott is going to do any good. Is there, is there some uh, reasonable step that every one of us can take? Yeah, I think there are some pretty straightforward things. First of all, in your purchase of sugar, you can buy fair trade sugar. And there's an organization called TransFair, which is a nonprofit that provides and certifies fair trade sugar. You can buy Hawaiian sugar, uh, which is frequently called raw sugar, that is grown with labor conditions that are much more in keeping with our own values. You can try to change the system in a unique and interesting way We've had viewers all over the country write to their congressmen, and we've had congressmen call us as a result, ask for screen to screen copies of the film. And when they do, you know, a congressional delegation went down to take a look at this. We've had standing room only screenings at Capitol Hill at the United Nations. We've screened for the World Bank and the IMF and the State Department. We found that the power of you know ordinary Americans like myself contacting their congressmen has actually had an effect. Yeah. People organized screenings of the film in their churches, at their union halls. You know, one of the most interesting things that took place for me was to be present at the birth of a union. It was extraordinary to see the power and vitality of a union and how desperate these workers were without it and what improvements could be ripped from the plantation owners' hands if there was one. So union halls and human rights groups and schools of varying ages across the United States have asked for, and we've sent them copies of the movie to do screenings. There's a charity that's been set up to um, uh, help with the Dominican children. It's the one that I started with working when I went. It's called infantesano.org. Mm-hmm. And um, some folks prefer uh, direct help as opposed to political action, and, and so that's what Infantesano does. And then there's sort of a sub, or, you know, let's say, and it's, in, it's part of your comments in a lot of ways, Mike, that... Part of what's at play here is just a 
an understanding that we live in a society that celebrates the consumer. We frequently hear people talk about what's best for the consumer, what we should do to help the consumer. There probably is a concomitant responsibility to, to consumption, which is to understand some of the effects of our consumption. Yeah. And I think that even if it just affects the way people think about things, to think about what, it, what the price is for us to get something so cheaply to somebody else, right. uh, you know, is, I think, a valuable thing to I just want to go back to that uh, moment in the film where their union is being formed and, yep. and say this is the film in general is very well constructed, very well put together. You can really feel the story develop. You follow the characters. And that's that's a point in the film where the, where the union is, is being formed, that you really sense the danger and, and the, the fact that these people were putting their lives on the line and you were right on the edge and you're, you're holding a camera watching all this. It was, it was an incredible cinematic moment for me, I tell you. Well, thank you. Yeah. You know, I think that um, there, were, there were certainly moments that feel where you can really feel the drama in the lives of uh, Father Christopher, who, uh, you know, I myself found deeply inspirational. Mm-hmm. And also in the um, Haitian workers who, in many cases, felt they were risking their lives to stand up for themselves yes. and um, to take possession of what what rights you know many of us as Americans have long since taken for granted. Right. Well, it is a tortured story for these people. Their lives. Um, they're living in absolute desperate poverty. But thank goodness we've got uh, films and filmmakers like yourself, Bill Haney, who are are shining a light on this. And uh, there is uh, you can get to the uh, some of the things that you've just described to us as far as organizations through our website and, and also at the price of sugar.com and the price of sugar.com and you also list some of the places where the film will be shown uh, and I'm sure by getting in contact with you they can probably set up their own screenings it's important that people who are interested in in fair trade and interested in the way we live and conduct our lives to 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 make a connection with you on this I want to thank you very much for coming here and and talking about the price of sugar. Bill Haney, thank you for being here. Well, I'm really grateful, Mike, to you and Nate for having me. I I really appreciated talking with you. And, uh, you know, it sounds like um, I haven't gotten to hear as many of your programs as I'm going to now that I've understood how perceptive you are. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Best to you, too. Thank you. I wish you all the best, guys. Take care now. Thank you. Bye-bye. To learn more about Film School, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at KUCI.org slash filmschool.